Hello and welcome to the Catholic Duluth Show. The Catholic Duluth Show is a parish community podcast serving the parishes of St. Lawrence, Holy Family, and St. Joseph in Duluth, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Dan Rhoda, and with me I have Father Eli Gieske. How are you doing today, Father Eli? Good. Good to be with you. Yeah, it's uh, it's really smoky out. You see that? Is that what that is? Yeah, it's, I, I guess there's um, like wildfires in Canada. Yeah, I'd heard that, and I... This morning I was looking out going, eh, I wonder if that's fog or if it's smoke. Because it smelled a little, it, it didn't feel foggy. Mm-hmm. You know, it usually has that kind of damp feel in the air. Yeah. And it looked cooler. I didn't have that feeling. So I was like, I wonder what that is. But yeah. When I was in, um, when I was in Colorado, there used, like every summer there'd be some like wildfires in the mm-hmm. mountains. Mm-hmm. So in like September and October, it'd be, yeah, just like really like smoky and stuff. Huh. But I don't think I've ever seen that here. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's kind of, kind of interesting, but, but yeah, I just like smelled smoke. I was like, is somebody grilling or having yeah. like a huge yeah. like fire in the middle of the, yeah. the city? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. Must be pretty close to the border, huh? Or, you know, I, I don't I really no know idea. anything other yeah. than that there's wildfires. The Canadians are uh, so. uh, burning things. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's been, you know, we got to, uh, not pray to the rain gods, but pray to the god of rain. Right? Yes, yes, that's right. Our Lord, um, rain. To get some. Uh, yeah, it's been been dry, dry this summer. Yeah, I was driving. I, I went up the North Shore yesterday with a friend, and as we were driving back, there was like two raindrops on the windshield. I was like, it's gonna <laughs> rain, and that's all there was. Two little. Well, it was like a handful of little drips. I was like, that's not gonna do anything. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite place when you go up the shore that you like like to go to? Hmm. Not really. We went to just because it's close. We went up to uh, the falls, the Gooseberry Falls. Oh yeah. Yep. So, and then we stopped by the. Is it the Rustic Inn? It was full. Yeah. So we didn't have lunch there. We did not. Okay. Stop there, but we we drove in and saw that there was a long line. and said, "No, thank you." Yeah. So. Are uh, are you a, like a line guy? Like like if if, if there's a line, I don't are, like are, are you willing to not wait yet, for not it? Not usually. Okay. Usually I'm like, I'll come another time or I'll yeah. go somewhere else where there's not a line. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? Um, I f- for the most part I'm like willing to wait. You're willing to wait for something good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sort of impatient when it comes to food. I'm like, I just wanna, mm-hmm. I don't want to spend all day for this one little meal. Yeah, it, it probably depends. It was like a 45-minute wait, and that was too much for me. Yeah. For, 45 is like right on the line. Yeah. I'm like, eh, I, I could I could wait for this, depending on sure. if I have my mind. If, like, if we would have been something. thinking, we would have stopped on our way up, put our name in, and oh, yeah. <laughs> gone hiking and then gone back. So, But we didn't do that. Yeah. Uh, well, we have a couple things going on this week or the next couple of weeks, but for the most part. Uh, it's a little quiet. We have, uh, so this this week and the next week, uh, July 22nd and 29th, uh, Teen Discipleship Nights. Yeah. So that's exciting. I Those believe are... that there was one last week. Mm-hmm. Karen said that there was a good uh, yeah. a good turnout. Yeah. Um, so those are having at, happening at the cathedral. And yeah. was it 5 o'clock mass? I believe so, yeah. And then, Bulletin has the, yeah. the details. Yeah, Bulletin for details. Um, and then oh, you're going to be gone a little bit in the next couple of weeks. I am. Yep. I'm going to be on vacation with the sisters for the last week in July. So they needed a chaplain for their little vacation. So Father Seth and myself will be the chaplains. And then the week after that, I'm going to be with my family. But I will be here for the weekends. I have a wedding next 
Saturday the 31st. And then uh, another wedding the Friday, the August 6th, 6th, whatever that Friday is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I will be busy on the weekends, but otherwise I'm on vacation. So. Yeah, good. Well, enjoy it. Yeah. Be good. Um, when it comes to vacations, are you uh, like, do you like to go and do things or just like, uh, like more like hermit? If 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 I take vacation, I usually am going somewhere. Yeah. Okay. I I've never really done a staycation. Really, I mean, I the, the idea appeals to me because I do like hermiting sometimes. But <laughs> yeah. Um. But no, I'm not doing that. I'm gonna be with my family. We're renting a place on a lake near Cross Lake somewhere. Okay. I don't even know yeah. exactly where it is, but nice. Um. Yeah. So not going far. Going up to Finland. And then going over to Cross Lake, so. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Staying in the diocese. Yeah. Good. Good. Well, uh, upcoming this week, so will be July 22nd, is the feast day of Mary Magdalene. Uh-huh. Um, who is, a, you know, a very prominent figure in our church. Yeah. Uh, she had, a, you know, played a very important role. Uh, so today we're going to kind of talk about her, and there's a lot of misconceptions about her life, so we're going to talk about those. Not that we know everything, but, you know, we'll we'll save what we think at least. <laughs> and um, and also just talk about, like, the impact that she had on the church. Um, but before that, Father, could you open us in a prayer? Sure. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, we ask your grace to be with us. Bless our conversation. Bless our parishioners, especially any who are struggling or in difficulties right now. We pray for uh, continued guidance for the church, for our our new bishop, for the clergy who have just moved this past week and had their first weekend in their new parishes. Lord, we lift all these things to you as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, so Mary Magdalene. Yeah. Um, you know, Mary Magdalene is one of those saints that she's very well known, but we don't, I feel like we don't really know a lot about her. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she's, she's really prominent. She's in the scriptures a lot, mm-hmm. you know, a lot in the gospels. Um, but there are also like a lot of like rumors and kind of maybe I don't know if controversy is the right word, but but um, not to any fault of her own, but people have kind of put things upon her mm-hmm. um, that have maybe like clouded like who she was or the role that she she did play. Yeah. And um, I don't. Do you think it's safe to say like that's maybe part of the reason why we don't talk about her as much? Could be. Uh, you know. I'd say we know more about her from the scriptures than we do about many of the apostles, right? We know mm-hmm. some of the names of the apostles, and most of them might say like a phrase here and there. We hear from Peter a lot. We hear from Andrew a little bit in the Gospel of John. We hear from John the Beloved, uh, you know, his Gospels and so forth. Um, but most of the apostles, we don't hear much. You know, Philip is featured a little bit. Um, but, yeah. So, there again, when it comes to Mary Magdalene, which Mary are we talking about in the Gospels is sometimes a question. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes that is hard because there's like four or five different Marys. Yeah, and sometimes in different Gospels, they don't always clarify which Mary. Um, so you 
you know, is it Mary Martha, Mary, or is it Mary who washes the feet of Jesus, or is it, you know, these kinds of things, sometimes people get confused, like, which one are we talking about? So, yeah. So I think because of that, there is like, who are we talking about? You know, which which Mary are we talking about, and what has she done? But there are things we certainly do know, you know, that she was at the foot of the cross, she was there at the resurrection, you know, when Jesus came forth from the tomb, and he sent her to the apostles to tell him, you know, um, of his resurrection. That's why, as you mentioned before, that uh, St. Thomas Aquinas calls her the apostle to the apostles. She was, she was sent by our Lord to tell them the good news of the resurrection. So that's what an apostle means, is to be sent. And so she was sent to proclaim the good news. And then uh, Peter and John race back to the tomb. They go inside, they look at it, say, oh, he's not here. And then they leave. And Mary stays outside the tomb and cries, and then she, and Jesus appears to her. So there's this sort of, she's very present at particular moments in Christ's life, especially these last, the last uh, days of his life. And then um, and then after that, we don't hear much about her, you know. I, if I'm remembering right, she's not featured in the Acts of the Apostles, but I could be remembering wrong. I, don't, I can't think of where she would be featured. But in the Gospels, she comes up. Um, and then there's the question of, you know, the gospel of Mary Magdalene and, uh, the Da Vinci Code stuff that Dan Brown wrote. And so these things kind of make inroads and sometimes, uh, are problematic because they, people read them or hear about them and say, oh, this is, this is the truth. And, um, you know, besides the fact that the Gospel of Mary Magdalene was written much later, um, there's things in it that do not equate with Christianity, what Christianity taught, and so that's why it was never canonical. It was always Gnostic, meaning um, Gnostic just means knowledge. So it was, it was a, a gospel that was not recognized by the church ever. So, mm-hmm. um, which I kind of going on like a little side thing, um, a little tangent, but there's other. Gnostic Gospels, right? Right. There's Thomas, there's Thomas, there's Judas, Judas, right? Peter, yeah. So, so there are other Gnostic. You know, Gospels. hers aren't the only one, right. um, but which which is kind of it's it's kind of like an interesting part, mm-hmm. um, which I, I guess I don't know if you know this, but does the church like is the church's stance on on those like those are not truth or we're just not going to like. Like, we're not going to say whether it's, like, good or bad or yeah. anything. So, they would, the church would say that these are not canonical books, meaning they are not, um, you know, there are some, some things that are, um, you know, not scriptural that could be helpful in terms of, like, it describes the culture or kind of in a cultural way might elicit some details or some unknown things um but in terms of like should this be believed by by christians is this is this necessary to believe that this is true certainly not um is it is it true or is it false i think the church would say anything that contradicts scripture what scripture taught or what the church has taught historically would be false of course so there are things in there that like just don't equate with Mm -hmm. um like I think in the Gospel of Thomas, for instance, Jesus like kills some little kid or something because he, I forget what the story is, but 
Um, so it's like, no, that's not. Yeah. That's so not in keeping. Not, not, not divinely, divine inspired. Right, right. right. So um, specifically, these things are from human origin, not from divine origin. So therefore, they're not canonical and they're not to be believed in that sense. Is everything in there untrue? Probably not. But um, that's probably the, the danger of many things is when there's part, partial truths or half-truths, um, they can, they're enough, there's enough to be kind of believable but uh, but dangerous, right? So yeah. But then uh, going back to Mary Magdalene, um, so her uh, feast day was elevated to a feast by Pope Francis not long ago, mm-hmm. 2016. 2016, yeah. So it's a feast day, meaning it's a little higher celebration than it used to be. It used to be like a memorial, um, and now it's a feast day. So that means there's a Gloria, um, and there's particular readings for that day and so forth. So um, in that sense, like the, the church is saying and Pope Francis is saying, there's there's something we should be celebrating and paying attention to with her. So um, I think she's always a figure of someone who loved Christ greatly, uh, in a sense, sense, even more than the apostles in a different way. You know, the apostles loved Jesus and followed him and they were disciples and they... Um, they were his followers, and yet they were not there at the cross. They ran away, except for John, right? So uh, there's there's a certain sense where Mary Magdalene was all in um, and really cherished this relationship with Christ. She was the, there at the uh, crucifixion. She was there at the tomb when they buried him. She was there um, at the resurrection. So her love in the lifetime of Jesus, when Jesus was living here on earth, uh, she was kind of more given over than, than the apostles. I mean, I'm sure her relationship had to be purified too, but we see evidence that she was like totally given over to Christ. Like she was a absolutely uh, a follower of Jesus and, and was willing to be there at the cross. Didn't care if she was going to get killed or didn't care what was going to happen. She was going to be there with Christ. Um, and so in that sense, it's like, wow, this, this woman had great faith and great a great love for Christ, not just faith in his ability to do great things for her, but just a relationship with Christ, you know, that clearly, um, you know, if, if you take her to be the Mary of the Mary Martha, she f- sat at his feet and she listened to him. She had confidence in his ability to to raise her brother, Lazarus, from the dead. Um, so, you know, there's there's a, a relationship that is revealed that's a special relationship. Now, some people will say, well, maybe she was married to Jesus. Maybe this, da, 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 da. Like the church has always said, no, that's mm-hmm. that's not the case. You know? Yeah, and that, that kind of ties into some of the, like, the misconceptions or things that people have used in the past that mm-hmm. kind of takes her out of, like this person that was like so in tune with Jesus's teachings mm-hmm. and like had a heart for him and his mission. Um, Cause there's, you know, there's the Dan, Dan Brown books and I'm sure people are somewhat familiar at least with like the, the Da Vinci code, whether mm-hmm. they've seen it or just heard of it or whatever. But yeah, one of the big kind of claims is that um, she was the wife of Jesus and yeah. they had yeah. children together and stuff, right. which, um, yeah, which I mean goes against what the church has taught, right? Um, and and somewhat, it, I think it. 
I have to be careful here, but I would say if her attachment to Jesus was merely a romantic or like, oh, here's this powerful guy who does miracles, like, that's my attachment to him. Like, that lowers, in a sense, her witness, in a sense. It's not no longer just this beautiful, like, I'm in love with you because I know who you are. I know that you're the son of God. I know that you are God. And so that's why I love you. That's why I want to be close to you. Now it becomes more about I am attracted to you or something like this or or something like that. You know, so I think to to leave her as the church sees her is a much richer character of who she is. And I think that's why the church um, has always said no to these other infringements on her characters because that does not point to the person that we see in the Gospels. It doesn't point to the the one that we see um, kind of in the tradition of history that this this woman um, loved Christ with great passion, with great with great devotion, but never merely in a romantic way. Maybe, who knows? I mean, I, I don't know her heart. Maybe there was some of that at some point, but um, that obviously had to be purified. And so I think we can look at that and say, okay, so here's a model of how one could love Christ. Not just as a disciple who wants to go and conquer the Romans, not just as a disciple who wants to get miracles and have great things. I mean, in some sense, that's the, those are the things that the disciples fail at, right? They, they sort of had this image of what Jesus was going to do and how he was going to accomplish things, and that's why, that's why we're with this guy, because he's going to win. And so they had to be purified of that. But here in Mary Magdalene, we have someone who points to a different way. Like, I'll be with you, Jesus, even if it's the cross. I'll be with you, Jesus, even if you're dead in the tomb. I'm I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. And so I think she's a very rich person of faith in that sense for us. Yeah. And as... um. So you mentioned, you know, when St. Thomas Aquinas calls her apostle to the apostles and, you know, very much in line with this aspect of like great faith. And, uh, and there's this little kind of excerpt that I found. And I think this is from like St. Thomas Aquinas himself, um, from, I don't know if it's just an article or what I, it's, it's a Latin and I can't pronounce it. So I'm not going to try to <laughs> But um, he had a lot of biblical commentaries, so it might be from one of his commentaries. Sure. Um, so, but basically, talks about like how she was given like three privileges, and um, like the first one being a prophet, because she was worthy enough to like see the angels. Um, and then for a pro, and she, he talks about how a prophet is a uh, intermediary between the angels and the people. And, um, and this was, I mean, because she saw the like angel in the tomb, mm-hmm. correct? Mm-hmm. And then uh, second, she had um, she had the digni- dignity or rank of an angel insofar as she looked upon Christ, on whom the angels desired to look. And then third, she had the office of an apostle indeed. She was an apostle, apostle to the apostles insofar as it was her task to announce the Lord's resurrection to the disciples, which we've talked about yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Um, and just kind of, he kind of goes on later to talk about how, like, she's a prophetess, an angelic messenger, and an apostolic figure. Um, which is really high praise. Yeah. Especially from St. Thomas Aquinas. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
I think uh, the church does want to lift her up and say, here's someone who's worth emulating. I mean, as all the saints do, they, they show us something of who we are in front of the Lord, how we're meant to be, and at the end of the day, they also point us to Christ and not to themselves, and so she did that with her life. So she's a fascinating person to to get to know in that sense, and I would say especially for um, for someone who's looking to have a closer um, love of Christ, not just a knowledge of Christ, but I want to grow in my love for Christ. She'd probably be a good person to ask for prayers and intercession in that regard because um, we don't want to study Christ as a historical figure merely. We want to know him, to love him uh, as a as a relationship that 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 penetrates not just our mind but our hearts as well and our souls. So, yeah. yeah, and I feel like I mean we've talked about that a lot. Mm-hmm. I feel like just like in these podcasts and um and just like just abiding with Jesus and just like being with Him, and she did that so well. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah, at the cross, like she was there and a couple other people were there and yeah. then she was the only one there when at it like when he when she saw when she went to the tomb and when he appeared to her right. resurrected so uh so just one of those <laughs> it's a big like check for me cuz I'm, I'm always think like oh like I'm doing I'm doing pretty well I'm I'm doing pretty well but then I'm like okay well how like how much time am I just like giving to be like just alone with Jesus mm-hmm. and it's like oh yeah I could I could probably give more you know, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, so it's she, she's she's a great a great like model for us in that, and 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 I think also I mean even with all the uh, kind of worldly like images and misconceptions that there are about her, uh, I think like it also kind of goes to show like I don't know maybe that's just like the devil like really realizing how important of a figure she is and him just kind of trying to sure. like just do like smoke and mirrors and be like, don't look at her. Like, don't, yeah. don't, don't be like her. Yeah. 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 And we don't know a lot about her past. I mean, there's some people that say she's the woman caught in adultery. There's some people, uh, I mean, one of the gospels says that seven demons are cast out of her. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. these kinds of things point to like, okay, the, her encounter with Christ was very powerful and life changing. Right. And so, that's another area where you can say, well, if she's worth us knowing because we all, in some sense, need to have that encounter where our lives are changed. And so she definitely had that. Whatever her background was, um, we don't know. But so. Yeah, so it's um, Luke chapter 8 that goes on to say that, um, like, yeah, that he was healing. Um, these women from evil spirits or infirmities. And among these was a certain worm, a certain Mary called the Magdalene from whom seven demons came out of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah. it's, yeah, it's interesting. You try to tie all that together. You, you get glimpses, but it, it can be a little tricky of like, who is this Mary? Yeah. Magdalene? So. And I mean, to a certain, ex- to a certain extent too, just, it really doesn't matter who she was or what she did other than what we know about her mm-hmm. because what we know about her is really good mm-hmm. and shows us how to be a disciple of Jesus, right? Yeah, yeah. Have you and, watched The Chosen at all? 
I have not, but I've heard it's good. Okay. It's on the list. Yeah. I, I haven't watched it, but I hear she figures prominently in that, at least at some okay. point. So, yeah. Okay, it'd, yeah be I, interest, it'd be interesting to see how they portray her. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I know, I know that there's, uh, like, there's a bunch of other kind of movies that are about her that aren't probably as good as The Chosen. Yeah. <laughs> I've, yeah. I, I, from what I've heard, The Chosen is very good, like, mm-hmm. very scripturally based. Yeah. Um, and I do know that there was a movie that came out a, a couple years ago called like Mary Magdalene. It was, I don't think it was any sort of like nothing Christian, even people behind it. I mean, more and more trying maybe. to get, get people to say, Oh, Christianity, it's all false kind of thing. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know. So maybe there is some sort of like background to it. I was reading some reviews and it didn't seem great. Yeah. Um, that's it. Um, it seemed that it kind of fed into some of the misconceptions about her. Yeah. Um, uh, so, like, there are a lot of that. So you, you do have to kind of be careful what you, like. Yeah. And even if you like the way that she's portrayed in The Chosen, that doesn't mean this is truth, right? That, yeah. I yeah. mean, that's uh, that's the temptation with these movies or videos or media. The Dan Brown thing, like, how many people do I come across and say, when that was first new, they were saying, oh, I didn't know that was true. It's like, well, it wasn't. <laughs> that's that's a story, right? It's it's a good fictional story if you like fiction, but uh, it's not not history, right? So, don't yeah. get confused here. So, anytime you watch a movie about Jesus or about biblical stuff, you always have to have that in the back of the mind. This is one person's rendition of what happened, and they may or may not take a lot of uh, license with how they portray characters and what they show, what they don't show. Um, so it can be helpful, right? Because we have an imagination. We want to we want to visualize things. We want to see things. Um, but sometimes we can buy into something too much, and then when it portrays something that's not true, we can say, "Well, there, this is interesting. I didn't know that was true." It's like, "Well, it was not true." <laughs> so I think we have to be careful with that. But mm-hmm. uh, kind of. Just, I guess, follow-up question from that. Do you, is there any, like, Christian, like, movies or, like, scripture or, like, Bible TV, like, shows that you've watched that you that you've really, really, really liked? I, I, I feel like every couple of years, like, something comes out, but I haven't yeah, I watched much. But I've heard, I've heard a lot of really good things about The Chosen, so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've not seen a lot. Because most of the time when I watch these things, I'm very disappointed. They're either really corny and bad, or they're just they distort the truth, and so then it's frustrating because then you're like, oh, people are going to ask about this, or people are going to think that's true, or whatever. So that's frustrating. Um, but one I did see that I really liked, and again, it's a portrayal, right? It's not it's not uh, based on history. It's per- based on the events of the gospel. But but I thought they did a nice job. Um, I think it's called the greatest story ever told, maybe. It's like a six-hour miniseries, basically. It was shown okay. probably back in the 80s or something. When I was younger, I remember my parents would watch it because they would show it every year. But, um, yeah, it's interesting. They do a really good job, kind of goes from the birth of Jesus to the resurrection. And, um, yeah, I just I appreciated the way they portrayed it. They take a lot of scripture and put it in there, like scriptural quotes and things. So they kind of take that passage of scripture, fill out the scene of what was happening. Uh, f- one one example would be 
the story of Matthew the tax collector. So in the in this portrayal of the thing, like Matthew and Peter were kind of like at odds with each other. You know, in the Gospels, we don't know that they even know each other beforehand. Mm-hmm. But like, there's the tax collector, and then there's this part where in the gospel, Jesus goes and has dinner with Matthew and all his tax collector friends. And it's kind of like the scandalous thing because he's going to eat with the sinners and you see Peter and some of the apostles, the other disciples standing at the door. They won't go into Matthew's house because they don't want to be undefiled. They don't want to be defiled or whatever. And so then at that point in the story, Jesus tells the, uh, the passage of the prodigal son. So in this movie or this miniseries, the way they kind of tied all that together was you see Matthew as the prodigal son because he's living this kind of worldly life. Mm-hmm. And Peter is the older son who doesn't want to come in and celebrate. And Jesus, they, they're having this party. Peter won't come in. And he's kind of upset with Jesus for being with Matthew. So none of that is biblical, right? But they tie these things together. And I thought they did a good job with that because it helps you kind of look at it. Um, another passage is about Judas and his betrayal of Jesus, and they kind of show it in a, a little different light. They kind of fill in some details that, again, it's licensed. You don't know if that was true or not, but it helps you to see like why someone might go that way or why that why that might happen. So I I find that helpful as a reflection, but again, I don't say, oh, because I saw this, this is how it was. Mm-hmm. You know, so. You always have to keep that in the back of your mind, but I like that one. I think that is what it's called, but I, I would have to look. Okay, it's an older. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I've ever heard of it. Version. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that's. It's like six hours, so. <laughs> sure. And that that's like a place that media has, especially whether it's. I mean, there's plenty of even like Christian historical fiction books. Right. Right. That. Um, that can do that same thing, but we, yeah, as long as we go in being like, hey, this this isn't truth, um, doesn't mean that it's bad. Right. It's, or that it, it can't help us. It, that it's a bad art or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is that the one? Greatest story ever told, 1965. So it's older. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I'm, I'm gonna have to watch the chosen because I've heard a lot of good things about it. So, sure. not sure if yeah, people listening have watched it, but um, but I, it's it's free from what I understand, and you can just find the episodes like on YouTube. Oh really? So interesting. Um, but it's free. You don't 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 have to pay for it. But I've been told by multiple people to watch it. So sure. Yeah. Um, great. Well, yeah, thank you, Father Eli, for for your knowledge and just um chatting today uh yeah hopefully we can you know be more like mary magdalene this week and just uh like just be with jesus be with him and um and help bring the good news to people right right because that's she was really the first one to to do that right so um yeah thank you everybody for for listening back home and we will uh talk to you again next time